called it's done no it is very true so this morning just going to um, not going to spend a lot of time at all but just got some words of encouragement uh, that I believe God just has for us as individuals and as, as a church and um, but I want to talk this morning about something that's not in the Bible Oh, I got you worried. I would ask if they got Tony worried, but he's seen my slides. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that's awful, we'll come back to that in a minute. But I want to talk to you about something that's not in the Bible. It's a bit strange, but I hope you trust me. Um, just a quick question, what does that say? Not a trick question. Think, Yes? Well, it kind of says think. It's actually a T and H and I and a K and a couple of arrows. But it still says, you still read it as think, don't you? And with that one? Negative. Okay, we know what it says, not by what's there, but also sometimes by what's not there. There's something there that's... The N is kind of there by, its, by what's around it, but there's something clearly missing. And uh, as Tom would tell you, uh, in the graphics trade we call this negative space. And uh, yeah, there you are, Thomas, here about, yeah. So um, it's a, a device for designing logos. Um, you might recognise that logo, seen that logo on the back of a lorry? Yeah. It's a standard lorry, they're, they're a delivery company, the courier company. Lorries everywhere, they're delivery people, they do things, they go places. So they wanted a dynamic logo. So clearly doesn't look that dynamic, does it? Or does it? What's in there? There's an arrow. Can you see the arrow? <laughs> I haven't got a laser. The E and the X, the bottom of the E and the start of the X, you see a white arrow. Uh, yeah. You get it? We get it? I guarantee you, every time you see a FedEx lorry now, all you can see will be the arrow. It's just what it, just what it does. It's there, it's hidden, but it's there, okay? And my mind doesn't particularly work normally, or compared to a lot of people, doesn't it? And when I read the Bible, I often look at things that aren't there. I know that sounds strange. And then, but the more I read the Bible, the more I keep thinking of things that clearly not in there. And actually, the fact that they're not there can speak volumes, Okay? So I won't go through all of them, but I just want to share one of them with you, and just to bring it on to a way of encouragement. So I don't know, um, take you back to Moses in the Old Testament, and we talked about Moses two or three years ago now, we did the whole uh, of Moses and his life, and you'll remember his life was, uh, well the first part of his life was a, was a game of two halves, okay, he had his first few many years living in the palace, in the opulence and enjoying luxury. And then the second part of his life up to this point, he'd been a shepherd in the wilderness looking after sheep. And then he comes uh, and he discovers the burning bush. And God draws him in and he speaks to him. And God lays out to Moses his plan. Okay, and I just, we're not going to read all that, I'm just going to skip through the story. Then the Lord told him, I have certainly seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their cries of distress because of their harsh slave drivers. Yes, I'm aware of their suffering. 
So I've come down to rescue them and the power of the Egyptians and lead them out of Egypt into their own fertile and spacious land. Now go, Moses, for I'm sending you to Pharaoh. You must lead my people out of Egypt. Okay, so, so far so good. God's clearly got a plan for Moses. Um, but if you recall the story, Moses actually said, well, actually, I'm not really good enough. Um, I don't really have what it takes. So God said, but yes, but I'm going, I'm going to be with you. you know, I'm not sending you out on your own, I'm going to be with you. And then he says, yeah, but I don't really know you. I don't feel that close to you really at the minute. I don't, the people I'm going don't really know you. I, it's probably not a good idea. And God says, no, look, look, I'm, I'm going with you. And I'll tell you what to say so they know who I am. And then he says, well, yeah, but really, what if they don't listen to me? You know, they probably won't listen to me. I'm a shepherd. Why are they going to listen to me? There's no point in me going. And so this, this conversation that Moses and the Lord have um, goes on for a good, good chapter. So that was chapter 3. So then we get to the, to the next excuse that Moses has. and says, but Moses pleaded with the Lord. Oh, Lord, I'm not very good with words. I have never been, and I'm not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. I know that feeling. Um, so now he's saying, look, I don't really have the skills. You know, I'm, you, I think you kind of got the wrong person. I think you, you were expecting somebody else to come, come along. Clearly, he wasn't me. But then the Lord asked Moses, who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak? Hear or do not hear, see or do not see. Is it not I, the Lord? Now go, I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you what to say. So he's had four excuses why he doesn't want to go. This is Moses. Four excuses why he clearly doesn't want to do what God is asking him to do. And none of the excuses are really washing with the Lord. He's got, you know, he's saying, no, this is not right. So he comes up with his final thing, only this is not an excuse. This time he says, but well, Moses again plead, please, pleaded, Lord, please, send, send anyone else, anybody move, just take somebody else. I, just, it's just not me, okay? So I've given you excuses and now I'm just giving you a straight no. And then, and this is, this is the verse that um, is not there, but just if it were, he would go, and God says to Moses, okay, that's fine, I'll ask somebody else. Sorry, I didn't mean to put you under pressure. I know you've a lot, you have a lot else going on at the moment. And Moses replied, thanks Lord, I appreciate it. <laughs> it's not in there. That verse is not, just, just be 100% clear, that verse is not in there. Okay? I've made that last one up. But why isn't it in there? Why is that not verse? What, why... Why is that verse not in there? The verse is not there because it's just not true. Because God did not have anybody else. And God needed Moses to go and do that job. There was nobody else in the wings waiting for Moses to say no. There was nobody else that had actually lived in a palace for all those years and therefore was not put off by the opulence and by the, by the uh, sheer grandeur of the palace, he could go and see Pharaoh 
And although he hadn't been in a palace for many years, it wasn't going to put him off. Nobody had been raising sheep in the, in the wilderness and leading sheep through the wilderness like Moses had for the last 40 years. And that experience was very useful for Moses. Although, as we know from reading later on, I think he wished he was just leading sheep and not the children of Israel. Sheep did what they were told. But at least he had the experience and God was preparing him and God was building him up. But he didn't want to go. Trouble is, God did not have a plan B. There was not a plan B. If, if that last verse existed, Exodus would look very different, as would the rest of the Old Testament, and I guess some of the New Testament too. God had a plan A, and only a plan A. There was no plan B. So that sounds a bit heavy, but I just, this morning I just wanted to encourage us on two points. Two very simple points. Firstly, I want everyone here to understand that none of us is God's plan B. None of us is sat on God's reserve bench waiting for somebody to be injured, waiting for somebody to, to be sent off with a red card and then we go on and take on. Those of us who were not so sporty at school used to have to stand against the wall while somebody picked teams and you know what it's like to get picked be the last one to get picked you're never God's last choice you're always God's first choice because the role he wants you to play is the role he's been developing you for and only you can fulfill that role we often don't see the purpose um, and often we're unable to see how obeying God in even the small things can have such a big impact on others. But God sees clearly what he wants. We have a, I made sure we put this banner up this, this week. Um, we want to value people as uniquely made for the family of the church. We are all uniquely and individually made for God's purpose. When my dad passed away, you know, as you know, it's just, it's just five or six weeks ago, um, it was lovely how we, all the cards we got and the, the comments we got from people who had known my dad over the years. And they all came up and said, wow, he was a blessing. He was a real, he, did, he said this to me or he said that to me or he just helped me in this way and he was such a real blessing. In our culture, we tend not to say nice things about people until they're gone. Kind of sad, really. But it's such an encouragement to say, you know, when people are just blessing us. And if you've had a youth leader, now you're old and you've had a youth leader who helped you, it'd be good to go back and say, you were there, you, you were, God called you for a role, and you played that role, and you may not know it, but it was a real blessing to me. We, need, we, we don't know the impact what we're going to do, what God is asking us to do, we'll have on other people. Peter Blessing, we, unfortunately, it was a joy to know. Unfortunately, we only saw him in recent months. But we could all see his joy in the Lord. And it was, it was such a blessing to have here. And, um, you know, Peter's definitely God's 18. You know, he's right up there. And such a, such a wonderful, wonderful guy. And I know he served the Lord. And when the Lord called him, he responded. The same with my dad. Just when you, 
get to the end of your life, you look back at all the things you've done and only then do you start to see the role that God wanted you to play. And it may not be one specific role, role. it may be lots of different little things that have blessed and helped different people. So none of us are in God's B team. And just as there's no one in God's B team, so there's no one in Waterbrook's B team either. There is no role in this church that is not significant or as significant as anything else. There is no role in this church that is less valued by God. My, my grand, my, Andrew is reminding me about this. My granddad, lovely fellow, um, he was not a person to get up in front of church. He wouldn't even do a reading, um, anything in front of church. He didn't want to know. But he was there every Sunday in the foyer handing out books and shaking people by the hand. And he had such a big smile and everyone just loved him. And he did this for years faithfully. And he knew everyone by name, unless they were a visit, first time visitor, he knew everyone by name and greeted them by name. And again at his funeral so many people referred to the fact that he was the one, the first person they saw on a Sunday morning and he had a smile on his face. And it kind of sets a tone, it just lifts so he played a really uh, wonderful role. So it doesn't matter what we're doing in the church, we're doing it for God and we're doing it so, to support one another. It says, doesn't it, 1 Peter, God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Whatever your gifts, whatever your role, whatever God's calling you to do is valued. It is huge. And you just do not know necessarily the impact that you doing your work will have on other people. Sadly, the only time you kind of notice is when the job's not been done, when somebody doesn't really want to do the role, then there's suddenly a gap. And, um, and perhaps somebody else has to step in. But there is no plan, plan B, there's no B team. So, uh, secondly... Oh, I've got <coughs> so secondly and finally I want you to encourage you this morning and I want God I think God is wanting to encourage you this morning is unlike Moses say yes to God this has been on my mind for a while since well before Christmas so I'm confident that actually that maybe there's one or two of you here who God's calling you to do something and you're coming up with excuses. You're coming up with the reasons not to do it. But I just encourage you this morning to say yes. God doesn't give up on us and then think, well, if you're not going to do it, I'm just going to get someone else to do it. There are no reserves. He, he pursues us. He perseveres with us. As we saw, he didn't do that with Moses. And if you want another example in the Bible, think no further than Jonah. God said to Jonah, I want you to go speak to the people in Nineveh and tell them they're doomed. Tell them they're all going to die. And actually Jonah didn't say no. He just ran. <laughs> he didn't even stop long enough to say no. He was just gone. He was out of the door. And, you know, God said, oh, well, that didn't work. I'll have to find somebody else. 
God literally pursued Jonah, didn't he? He brought a storm. He saw where Jonah was in the ship, so he brought a storm and they ended up throwing Jonah out and then he got a, a big fish uh, who, who swallowed him. And I'm thinking, that that's pretty extreme really, isn't it? Um, but actually when you worship a God who's the creator of all things, the heaven and the earth, actually a small, small storm and a slightly bigger fish it was just him just coaxing, just coaxing Jonah back to do the job. <laughs> yes, that's right. Well, we talked last week about comfort zones and stepping out of your comfort zones. But I don't think anyone wants to take on the role of being swallowed by a big fish. So, um, but God persisted, and Jonah, Jonah in the end went. And actually, Jonah's a great character. I shouldn't really talk about get sidetracked with Jonah, but course he went and he said what God told him to say and everyone repented and then Jonah got really upset <laughs> because he'd been made or he thought he'd been made to look a fool but God has a role for us we don't necessarily know what the outcome of that role is we just need to fulfill it so why does God persist with us because the work is important and there's nobody else to do it why does God persist with us? Because he wants us to grow. And he wants us to grow in faith and in courage and in trust. Has God been speaking to you about something just recently? Have you given God the usual excuses not to do a role? Sorry Lord, the time is not great, maybe next year. Or like Moses, you know, it's really not my skill set. You know, it's not. I'm not really good at that sort of thing. Or well, I could do it, but so and so over here, they're going to be much better. Go for them. Or maybe maybe just feel spiritually low and just say, Lord, that's not. You know, I, I just need to to find a bit of time, just have a bit of my time for myself, and then I'll, and then maybe later. Or it could just be, well, sorry Lord, but I tried it once and it was a real failure. I'm not doing it again. I got burnt. Just say yes. Step out in faith. Respond to God's calling positively. The Lord says, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. I'm, I'm terrible at remembering songs even moments after we sang them so you're going to have to help me there but we sang Christ alone cornerstone weak make strong the Saviour's love and what was the last line? through the storm he is Lord of all what's the point of singing those words weak make strong if then actually we don't want to step out in our weakness to me, to me made strong Paul, Paul went on to say after that, just after that verse, he said, um, when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul also said, and uh, it's quite fun, quite fascinating really, but if you read the letter to Corinthians, the first letter to Corinthians, in chapter 2 I think it is, he says, when I first came to see you, I was weak, and I was timid, and I was trembling, but I came. You don't imagine Paul to be weak, timid or trembling, do you? But we all got to start somewhere. We all got to step out, out of our comfort zone. 
and into God's, and, and into God's strength because when we are weak, that's when he is strong. When we are weak, that's when God can use us. Maybe God is, is uh, encouraging you to invite somebody to Alpha. He's laid somebody on your heart. Maybe you're thinking, yeah, but it's a bit awkward, isn't it, really, to ask somebody to Alpha. You know, Alpha's not very good. <laughs> Alpha. <laughs> it's going to be great. So, you know, or what if they just say no? Or what if they start talking about me? behind my back there's always plenty of reasons not to ask somebody and it's certainly for most of us certainly for me we're putting ourselves out of our comfort zone it's certainly a lot easier to say no don't worry maybe next time maybe maybe when Paul and Mel do another alpha I'll ask, we'll ask somebody next time or maybe we're saying you know what if they say no will you know, I'm going to be a failure. It is true that sometimes we fail, but other times we only appear to fail. We do fail when we, when we don't do what God asks, or we try to do it in our own way. But we always succeed when we obey God, no matter the outcome. Moses must have felt a right failure, because he went to Pharaoh how many times? And he never got, never seemed to get the job done. And every time he got rejected, every time it failed, Moses must have seemed like a real failure. He wasn't. He was exactly where God wanted him to be, doing what God wanted him to do. And I know we all struggle from time to time to know what God's will is for us. And, you know, perhaps you say, well, is it really God's will that I should be asking this person to offer? If you thought about asking somebody to Alpha in particular, trust me, it's God's will. He's already laid him, that, that name on your heart. Trust me, you need to do it. And it's not just Alpha. Maybe there's a role in church that God is asking you to do. Help him with the Sunday school, help him with the young people, help him with the refreshments. Being a person out the front, welcoming people in. Helping set up the chairs and do things. These are roles, these are all roles that need fulfilling. And God has people in place to do them. And when they're not being done, it's been because somebody he's called has not said yes yet. And, you know, we, we've talked about Moses and Jonah, and they had all very big roles to play. But God has lots of different roles for us to play. And some of them may seem quite small, but actually they're still big steps for us. But if God has just been urging you, encouraging you just to, to get more involved in an aspect of church, just say yes. You can say no, but you'll be saying for no long time until eventually you do say yes, as did Moses, as did Jonah, as did so many other people. Just say yes. Because we'll be stepping out in faith. We'll be trusting God. And we'll be we'll be making sacrifices. You know, if, if you need to come early one week to set things up or to, to run Sunday school or you're going to have to take an evening off to prepare for Sunday school, they're big sacrifices. They're sacrifices on time. But they're so worth it. They're so worth it. As Tony quoted last week, um, God didn't call us to be comfortable. 
Oh no, what was it? God's goal for us is not to be comfortable, but to grow. We're not called to be comfortable. We're not called to just have an easy life. God wants us to grow. God, God's calling us all into different situations. And we just need to say yes. Difficult to know how many, how many other ways you can say, just say yes. <laughs> but but uh, just in, in 2 Corinthians, there's a, there's a lovely verse which is, For all of God's promises have been fulfilled in Christ with a resounding yes. And through Christ our amen, which means yes, ascends to God for his glory. Yes is such a powerful word, but one we're afraid of. One we seem to be afraid of a failure as much as anything else. We're afraid of commitment sometimes. But that's when God wants us to step out in faith. We certainly don't have the skills. If we had the skills to do the jobs that God was asking to do, he wouldn't be asking us probably, because we wouldn't be growing. He, he wants us to step out. And when we go out in weakness, then we see his strength. Then his glory is shone, not our own glory. I'm going to, um, we're just, we're just close now, and I'm just going to ask us all perhaps if we could just stand and just quietly just examine our hearts. You may have a clear understanding of what God is asking you. You may have a, a, a clear recollection of the fact that God has been asking you several occasions to do, take on a role. Maybe you're putting it off. Maybe you're so focused on other things that actually you're missing God's call. That he wants you to do something new, something else, something in addition. Let's just spend a moment just asking God to just make clear to us that we are doing what he wants us to do and that if there are new things, let he just make them clear to us now.